If the baby does survive, the question is, what do we do with it? Do? What are you suggesting? That we throw it out of an airlock? I don't make suggestions, Mr. Baltar. If I want to toss a baby out of an airlock, I'd say so. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 9 for the week of October 21st, 2013. I am airlock enthusiast David T. Cole, and I'm here with goth roommate Sarah D. Bunting. I replaced your stupid apple. Glue gun torturer Tara Ariano. Damn it, Donnie! And former 09er Nick <laughs> Reinwell Jones. Always take backup. <laughs> Welcome! Hello! Joe Hello. Reed is still on assignment, but we have um, ably replaced him. No one can replace Joe. But we have a substitute for Joe, and that is our friend Nick Reinwell Jones. Hello, nice to be here. Uh, Welcome, Nick. You will have read many of his writings on our site. Uh, currently covering Masters of, Masters of S.H.I.E.L.D. I keep wanting to call it Masters <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. That Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A Showtime series. <laughs> and Agents of Sex. sex. And, yeah. <laughs> we need to make that happen right now. <laughs> anyway. We need to achieve world peace with sexy results. <laughs> you can't deny it would be a better show. Yeah. Anyway, welcome, Nick. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, and take it away, Sarah. Well, because of Nick's canon submission, which we'll find out about a little later, we thought that this week we would talk about TV's great female warriors. Uh, We each picked a couple, uh, good and bad. Um, The parameters were pretty broad, at least for me, because the fact is I don't watch a lot of fantasy or sci-fi, so it was kind of a narrow field. And uh, I selected... Megan Rotundi of Felicity, uh, <laughs> because she's awesome. Uh, she is scathing. She's a practicing Wiccan who has a mystery box that was turned into a Twilight Zone esque episode, I think, in season two, mm-hmm. which is really quite brilliant. Uh, she's married to Sean, who's also awesome. Uh, she's like rude and direct, but she's never mean, like with no purpose. She just says what everyone else is thinking and kind of eats popcorn while everyone else is fighting, sometimes literally, which is great. (laughs) And uh, this clip that we're about to hear is from season four during the time travel part, which I think pretty much everyone else hated, including like J.J. Abrams and all the actors. But I really liked it. I thought as time travel uh, storylines go, it was pretty good. And this is Megan complaining that you can't mess with the Prime Directive, basically. God, have you never heard of a little thing called the time-space continuum? You change one thing, everything changes. So what, choosing null changed everything? Yes! And so does eating cereal and watching crappy daytime TV. It's all different now. The ripple effect. One little decision is not just one little decision anymore. Oh my God, you're right. This is my fault. Last time we didn't go to the street fair, the only reason we went today was because we were avoiding Ben. Who you were going out with last time. The ripple effect. Next time, be a more responsible time traveler. By the way, are you ever going to class? Why? I already graduated. Oh, I forgot. Well, you might want to check with UNY and make sure they accept time travel credits. I mean, unless you brought your future diploma with you. Otherwise, you could be screwed. Uh, (laughs) For my worst or least warrior-like female warrior, I had pulled a clip, but instead we thought it would be more effective if there were a dramatic reading of my notes on the clip by Tara Ariano. Tara? Worst. 
Olivia Pope and the 184,934th time she's storming away from Fitz, he says, Olivia. She stops without turning around. He gloms up onto her and she's all, no, you don't get to do that. Oh, fine. Glom, glom, glom. Date him or dump him. Pick one. I am not a crackpot. <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. <laughs> and it sums up my feelings. Tara, who's your favorite female warrior on TV? Oh, boy. Well, you had suggested that I do Brenda Walsh, who certainly is at war with everyone she knows basically all the time. And she's an excellent True. pick. Um, Still not I a hate, crackpot. No. I hate you both. Never speak to me again. There's also, as mentioned in my intro, uh, Allison of Orphan Black, the suburban mom and wife who... Uh, Discovers her inner warrior? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she's she, she's the most unassuming. Like she's a she really is a PTA mom, um, and then is kind of the most ruthless of all of the clones that we meet who aren't actively on the side of evil. Anyway, um, fine showing from Diane Lockhart in the latest The Good Wife episode, uh, where she basically stomps back into the firm that just cooked it to the curb and solves everyone's problems, or at least exposes the problems that nobody else is even aware are happening. And then I had a few political people. Funny that Sarah should mention Scandal, because one of mine is Melly. Uh, not not a happy person, but certainly uh, very tough in defense of her position. Uh, Birgitta Nyborg, who I couldn't clip because she's Danish. Uh, and <laughs> no. Selena Meyer, who, uh, who certainly solves a lot of problems with her dirty potty mouth. But of all the great female politicians on TV, obviously there was only one choice for me. Uh, that, how did, how did you do this? Call in a few favors. Excuse me. A few hundred favors. Mr. Vice President, Ben Wyatt from Congressman Murray's office. Hey, Ben, Dave told me you were going to be coming by, and you must be Leslie No. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you my, my, my name just came out of your mouth. Well, yeah, it did. <laughs> well, this isn't happening. This isn't real. No, it's it's happening, and I'm delighted to have you here. On behalf of the president and myself, I want to... Oh, Mr. To... Vice President, I am deeply flattered, but there's no way that I could take over Madam Secretary Clinton's position. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confident you could do that job or any other, but Okay, reason... I will. <laughs> <laughs> She's so adorable. Obviously, that was Amy Poehler as Leslie Dope, meeting her hero, or one of her many heroes, Joe Biden. Um, she's... She's so um, dogged in her defense of what is basically agreed by everyone to be a shithole of a town. Um, But she loves it because it's where she's from. And um, she currently, especially this season, has been really an underdog um, part of a she's she's the target of a recall campaign. And so she's really had to um, determine how far she's willing to go for her position. And I love her and I think she's great. And my worst is also from Scandal, a different character though. Okay, bad performance. That's part A. Yeah, That's Katie that Lowe's playing help. playing Quinn on Scandal. Um, I feel like they they had to start her out as like the exposition stand-in person. She was like new to the Olivia Pope and Associates, so a lot of the exposition about everything that was going on went through people explaining to her Donna Moss style why why she needed to pay attention and what was actually happening. 
But then I think once her usefulness in, or believability in that uh, capacity had been exhausted, what they've decided to do instead is turn her into like girl huck, which is boring. Guck. And not believable. And um, of all the of all the white hats, too, like right. Abby basically already was three quarters of the way there and is so much more Furiously. awesome and a better actress. I 100 oh, anyway. percent agree. But I also feel like what they've done with Quinn is like the, the trap that a lot of shows fall into with like, how do we make this female character, you know, tough? And it's like it's not necessarily to have her copy the actions of another male character or mm-hmm. make her violent. Like, there are other ways to be interesting and compelling. And so that's why my pick for worst is Quinn. Nick? So for my favorite female warrior, I picked Veronica Mars of the TV show of the same name, played by Kristen Bell. Uh, Such a good choice. More of a warrior for justice. But (laughs) uh, I just, I, I love her because she's like, she's awesome and cool, but she's very relatable and grounded, like, She's like she's not on some like crazy moral pedestal where she's not allowed to do stuff like she drank. She had sex. She was a little bit damaged and vulnerable in some ways. But, um, you know, she like her kind of super strength is that she was smart and clever and like could think her way through things. And it was always just so much fun to watch her like engineer something and then watch it come together in that final great moment like the clip we're about to hear. Well, me, are you crazy? How else do you explain the 250 in your wallet? Cough it up. Big deal, this money's mine. It doesn't prove anything. Why don't you take a closer look at the one on top? Read what's written over Grant's head. Veronica Mars is smarter than me. Oh, you stop it. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so- something really super satisfying when you see the plan coming together yeah. when you know what it is and it, you know, it comes to fruition. Um, like a lot of the episodes of Sherlock are like that too for, yeah. you know, they both yeah. share obviously a lot in common being detectives, but there's something very satisfying about that. And I think a lot of TV writers tend to shy away from that, you know, because yeah. it's all about the twists and the turns. Now it's all about the gotchas, Yeah, but totally. there's something just like really satisfying about seeing it. Yeah, well, it's almost like on Seinfeld how there would be all like the kind of disparate yeah. plot lines that would then come together in that hilarious moment. But it's kind of it's a different version of that where like yeah. she's just totally. put us all together and yeah. then you just see it happen. Um, for my least favorite female warrior, um, well, plural, I picked <laughs> uh, from the final unfortunate season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the small army of cousin Olivers that were the uh, <laughs> the, the potential slayers. <laughs> Oh, um, and let's let's hear that. I'm sure the vampire thought we were like what, four helpless girls. <laughs> yeah. And then Vi, Vi actually yells, we're just four helpless girls. <laughs> that was part of my plan. When it all started going down, it was like we knew what we were doing. For real. Yeah, like when you dodge that first attack and then crack and cross the jaw. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. See, I wouldn't have been able to do that if you hadn't took his legs out. I hurt his arm. Yep. Oh dear. Who is the uh, the the one Slayer who in this episode is sort of like everybody thinks is you know going to be the next big you know deal? Yeah, it was it was Millie from uh, Freaks and Geeks. Thank you. I one. could she not place she wasn't her in this conversation, but she was. Yeah. She was in that episode. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That was bothering um, me. And also, Felicia Day was actually one of the um, oh, really? Slayers in training that I did not realize until I just watched this one. <laughs> um, and then that I forget what the name of the actress playing Molly is doing that fantastic English accent. That was, <laughs> Such a staple of that era of uh, Buffy. I mean, there was just so much wrong with that whole 
plot line that like I think I think like right when when you're ending a show should be when you're kind of focusing on like wrapping up the core relationships yeah. and stuff and instead they just introduce this new giant bunch of girls like and none of them like there were so many of them that none of them could really even have a personality like except for maybe Kennedy but that was only really in relation to Willow and yeah like, I was just gonna ask was that the new Tara or Tara Jr. Yeah, exactly. Tara Tara the, the let's call the whole thing off and like they're their abilities were so ill-defined like Buffy told them like oh you you kind of have more strength and speed and stuff like that but not all the way and it was just so 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 muddled and stuff and um I think uh that was that was just an unfortunate way to yeah. wrap that show it's hard to really like when you introduce a group dynamic it's kind of hard for anybody to stand out obviously but yeah. um when you're all supposed to be these you know tough you know, well, I guess suppose they're in training, but when they're all supposed to be these, you know, tough as nail figures and they're not, yeah. you know, and it's obvious that it's sort of hard to like root for them. And especially as you say, at the end of a series where you're not interested in new, new threads. Well, I have to think it was someone's idea of being Backdoor. like, this is going to be the spinoff. Well, it's was, the facts of life of Slayers. Yeah. I mean, there, and there was like a spinoff that was considered about like, Oof. I think it I think it might even been going to be like Dawn running the Slayer training. But in fairness, I did, I was looking it up on Wikipedia where they have a, of course, a section about considered Buffy spinoffs. And Joss Whedon actually said that that didn't feel right to him to do uh, well, a Slayer good. training spot. So thank goodness his teeth pulled back on that one. Wow. Yikes. Um, so I have a few. I, I made a list and then I was going to pare it down, but then I didn't. So here we go. Uh, in the bad girls in it for themselves category. Um, Your Mellies from my list. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to go with Faith from Buffy. Fantastic. Um, even sure. though, you know, eventually she sort of, you know, um, got good. Um, she, the way she started was very uh, fulfilling to me because when you have an ass kicker uh, without a moral code, it's usually sort of like delicious, bad for you um, TV watching calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And she was pretty, you know, ruthless and um, determined and, and for, you know, and sort of under the mayor's thumb, but um, sort of in it for herself. She's very, you know, mercenary in what she was doing. Well, yeah, and they did such a good job of, like, showing, like, what if someone had everything that Buffy had except, like, with no moral compass? Right. Yeah. And uh, sort of similar to that and um, still on my laminated list, Tara. Oh, I know. I know we haven't, we didn't update the list, is uh, Anna Espinosa. Oh, yes, I did know that one. From Alias. Uh, played by Gina Torres. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Um, yeah, she is, uh, you know, as much as Faith was to Buffy, she is to Sydney on the show. She is, um, you know, all of her skills um, on the other side of the fence and without all that pesky got to follow the law and the rules and doing it, to, you know, for the common good. And she is just beautiful. She's pretty lady. I get it. <laughs> Um, in the damaged goods that mostly works category, um, we're going to go with Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Sure. Um, until the sort of the end where they sort of went with a wizard did it <laughs> yeah. explanation for everything involved with Starbuck. <laughs> an angel or whatever. Yeah. Um, that sort of um, kind of ruined it at the end. But up to that point, and as the series as a whole, as I've complained about many times, um, really worked for me. Um, right until the until the dying moments of of the show, um, something about Starbuck that um, that works is like, I mean, she sort of falls into that. I'm a I'm a I'm 
I'm the guy version of a of you know of of this. I'm, I'm the lady version of a guy character, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of I think the easiest way to write a strong female character a lot of the times. And I don't think she really had much more than that. I mean, it's effective, but it's also I think the easy way to do it. So my actual big pick, my number one champion, also from the same show, and you heard her at the top of 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 the intro, is uh, President uh, Laura Roslin who starts off um, sort of as a junior executive in the uh, Caprica. Caprica? Was secretary, secretary of Education. Of Education yeah. yeah. She had been a teacher. And thrust into this position of being the president of, you know, the 50,000 people left in the universe. And over the series becomes this very strong-willed but still grounded character. And... Really confronted with a lot of hard choices. Yeah, she's very pragmatic. (laughs) And she sort of doesn't become what Starbuck is. You know, the writers didn't treat her that way. And given that we have these two female characters that are both strong and one is sort of in the male mode and one is not, you know, I like that compare and contrast ability on the same show. So I forgive them more for Starbuck because I obviously know they know how to write a good true to herself female character that is still um hasn't been masculinized well so i mean starbucks is also in the military so that informs her character as well absolutely yeah i'm just saying i don't i don't um think that her writing is necessarily default i think a lot of the shows do it that way because it is easy yeah um you know like basically the character of like if you're going to movies, the uh, Vasquez from Aliens, yeah. right? You know, yes. that's easy. She's just like a, you know, a tough as nail dude. And it just happens to be a lady character. Right. Um, but uh, Rosalind and her love for the airlock. I love it. <laughs> how many times that comes in the show and <laughs> how how willing she is to put people in there and just yeah. stick them out in space. People, things. Willing and does. Yeah. You know, a lot of people meet their end. People and sidelines meet their end in the airlock is yes. uh, definitely my number one choice. Um, so yeah, so kick-ass ladies. Um, are we getting more these days that are more nuanced on TV? Do you think? Like, I feel like we're sort of getting better. Well, I think we've gone to more. I, I think there's been some improvement, at least on cop shows. There's been some improvement, I would say, because you used to get the sort of I'm going to punch my weight with the other homicide detectives, and I'm going to you know, pretend I don't like just have sex and get, have beers after the shift. And I don't care about anything. And law and order was particularly guilty. Oh yeah. There was one now. I think we watched, uh, was a law and order with the, yeah, it was with, um, uh, Hey dummy was, uh, in it as the undercover cop. (laughs) He's talking about Cassidy on SVU. Yeah. Oh, Hey dummy from 30 rock. (laughs) Um, and, and he was undercover and the undercover cops partner was a lady cop. And she was just like doe eyed in love with the cop and doing anything he would Mm -hmm. say, including like setting up people for him to rape. It was ridiculous. And that was, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we may still have a ways to go in that department, but I, I well, feel but like I was thinking more of um, Ed Green's old partner, Milena Govich on yes. Mothership. Yes. She fortunately only lasted one season. She was brought in from some other Dick Wolf spinoff conviction, maybe. I think that's right. That didn't work. She's, you know, as an actress, she's a wonderful model. <laughs> and they also, but the fact is both those characters are very much like 
this is a like kind of 55 year old writer's room dudes idea of what a lady cop would be like. And it's like, I think we had a more nuanced portrayal of this life in Cagney and Lacey actually. Mm -hmm. So could you do better than that? I don't. And then she would be like getting in fights. I'm like, I don't really buy that. I don't know. Well, Dave, your pick for worst kind of highlights what, what everyone gets wrong. Worst. Yeah. So, um, my worst is Carrie Matheson from Homeland. And I've never been aboard the Carrie Matheson train. From day one, I thought her character was ridiculous and cartoonish, and the portrayal was as well. Um, but um, how many times are they going to go to the well where um, now she needs to go back? You know, now she's crazy again. Now she's cured. Now she, you know, I mean, she goes back and forth. Obviously, I know people, you know, have that routine. But on a TV show, there's only so many times you can circle back on a plot device before it becomes dull and boring. Did um, you watch last night? Yeah, oh, I yes. did. And oh, okay, so I just wasn't sure if you were I mean, I still agree with you and I don't yeah. think that last night's plot twist changes that fact, but because if they do it again, it's like really? Yeah. You meddling kids. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how much we should talk about it because people are I think we're still in the DVR window uh when this will go up. Um well, if you Can haven't seen it, it, yeah. Okay. There you go. Spoilers a ho, fun ahoy, Homeland. <clears throat> All oh, I was going to say Spoilers is, anyway. Right, <laughs> right. Is um that this this interview and Sarah linked to it in the in the comments on her post about Homeland that went up today. This Alex Alex Ganza has been going around giving interviews about how no this this whole thing has been planned this whole season which doesn't quite scan plot-wise for me. Remember who we're talking about, which are the creators of 24, which are infamous for writing half a season without knowing where they're going. Sure. But I also would say one of the things that he put in the article is like, no, it's important for everyone to remember Carrie Matheson is great at her job. Like, "Mm, (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't think she is great at her job. I mean, there was a, there was a time when you could have made that argument of like, she was doing whatever with Brody as a very long, that should have been a long con. That's what should have happened. See, I think they realized, and I think, you know, most people are in agreement that if that was the long con, if, getting Brody in her confidence and playing him was the long con. That was good spycraft. Right. By the way, but, I love the word spycraft. But then she turned into <laughs> being really in love with him for yes. real. Like, yeah. seriously? Falling in love with you wasn't part of the plan. Oh, God. It's so stupid. And then so, that yeah. fucking radio broadcast of their yes. boy fest. I was Ooh. like, which, what part of the plan is this? Like, what yeah. outline branch did that fall under? <laughs> That's some deep cover, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus. And last yeah. night, I mean, I'm just happy that it's like the plot is now getting centralized. Right. And they did yeah. something like I don't expect enough of this show anymore for it to be like watertight when you go back over it and sort of six sense it to see if it holds. Yeah. It's not going to hold. And it's probably cruel and unusual punishment by Saul of her. Like, when did they... You know, depending on when this was set in motion, it's like that's not like there's workman's comp claims. Yeah. Here, I would say. But one thing I do like about or one thing I think that all the warriors that we picked that we like share and also carry to a certain extent. uh, If you don't like the performance, you don't. And I totally get why that is. But I think the 
the key is that they're, they are afraid. These women like are afraid, but they, you know, behave as warriors anyway, because it's not brave unless you're, unless you're scared. Right. And Veronica Mars, I think, is an exe- excellent example of that, and it's why she's so relatable. That I think she is, you know, intimidated and freaked oh, out. There's a lot of moments where times. she's terrified. Yeah, that are, yeah, that are great. And also yeah. is physically minuscule. Right. <laughs> well, that and, scene where they where you but see then her finds like, a way to torque the... that to her advantage. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's missing from Homeland, I found from uh, the difference between the first season and and and, and ongoing, is that when the character started her condition often was presented as either an advantage or a tool in her toolkit and they've sort of lost that you know like she had this sort of you know the ocd wall of yeah you're saying when coded. she was in her manic phases it was yeah. useful for her and they sort of drop that conceit or at least they haven't played to it um and i find like that was like she took something that you know could be a deficit and turned it into a strength and that was 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 compelling and felt strong in the first season Mm -hmm. and then you know they revealed well she's you know like all ladies just loves men and and you know and then that was sort of like oh okay i guess she's not you know it's not all that and then you know and then to believe on top of this, you know, this giant long con that her and Saul were playing is a little ridiculous. And I was saying to somebody at the coffee shop today when we had this long conversation about it <laughs> with the girl at the coffee shop who we talk TV about all the time. Um, it just seemed like um, 24's ridiculousness to action is becoming Homeland's ridiculousness to their plot choices. Yeah. You know, like even though they don't have a nuke going off outside of Los Angeles, they're making all these like crazy things. And I felt like Homeland season one felt um, at, at both grounded and fantastical. Right. You know, this idea that this guy's coming back and he's rising to the ranks and he's his national hero. But guess what? He's not on our side. And then it just sort of like it's getting crazy. And either it's got to go balls out crazy with the plot and just be entertaining in a (laughs) right kind of way. Or it needs to figure shit out. Yes. Yeah. Like I mentioned this when we were talking about a similar topic with regard to Scandal, where it's just like just commit to being bonkers. It makes for a much more entertaining show. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if Homeland would just do that rather than being trying to act like it's trying to earn Emmys all the time, it would it would be much more fun. And I would just add to put a button on this for the purpose of this conversation. I don't think any of the female characters on Homeland have been good, and the way that all of them have to port- have to act their vulnerability is all of them being insane, with the possible <laughs> exception of Jessica, who's just like a doormat. So. And an idiot. And an there's idiot. Hope for, there's hope for a Farah. That's Farah. true. You're right. Yes. And I like Saul's wife, who at least was like, fuck this shit and left. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to India. Peace out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dana needs to go back to her home planet. Agree. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't like you. He's grumpy as can be. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask. Will Dave hate this? Probably. So... Coming to Fox is an ancient Egypt drama called Hieroglyph. This was announced last week. Comes to us from... I don't think you sold that. Like, <laughs> Coming soon to Fox, Hieroglyph, an ancient Egypt drama. <laughs> what? Okay. Um, so, yes. it's a. It comes to us from... Um, coming to us in 2014 early. Will be a 13-episode drama promising, even though it's going to be on Fox and not on a cable network. They're keeping it short, which is wise. 
Um, but the uh, producer behind it is one Travis Beecham, who wrote the beach, who wrote Pacific Rim. <laughs> and I'm reading now from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it's a fantastical action adventure show. It's set in ancient Egypt. It centers on a notorious thief who is plucked from prison to serve the pharaoh, navigating palace intrigue, seductive concubines, criminal underbellies, and even a few divine sorcerers. Another witch show on Fox. (laughs) I can tell you whether Sarah will hate this. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it doesn't say anything about who um, is going to be in it. And, you know, they still have time to cast it. But I'm going to say... I'm going to tell you this. Dr. Bashir from uh, oh, Star yeah, Trek is yeah, going to yeah. be in it in some capacity because that's the way Hollywood works. That's true. <laughs> so I'm going to say Dave will... What did I say I was going to say? I'm going to say Dave not. will not hate this <laughs> because of because uh, Dave enjoyed Pacific Rim. Dave likes ancient Egypt. And uh, Dave doesn't have a problem with concubines. So... <laughs> And the fact that it's a short-run series, I mean, well, theoretically, uh, the fact that it's a short-run series is probably promising. It won't, uh, it won't exhaust its goodwill too quickly. And um, yeah, that's that's my prediction. Wait, wait, do we trust Fox to actually keep this thirteen episodes and then be done well, with it? Fox? I was going to say the following was supposed to be a short run, and it's coming. It seems back to me to that's just failure insurance. That's just like to save face. Yeah. If it, yeah. I mean, that doesn't necessarily We're mean so it's going to... European. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be only 13 episodes and then no more. Like, it could yeah. just be a 13-episode series. Right. But still, I think that's a good sign. I would like to hear the opposing view, please. So, I, I will take the contrary <laughs> viewpoint. I mean, you know, of course, it's idle speculation at this point, and I, I hate to shit all over the show before it's even aired, but... <laughs> But I will for the what purposes of this here? podcast. Um, well, so, some warning signs that I see. First of all, I saw it, th- that they referred to it in the press release as a very ambitious show, which to me means <laughs> oh. we're spending all our money on special effects and none of it on writing, mm-hmm. i.e. Terra Nova. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, oh, um, look at it's those actually obelisks. the same. It's, P- it's nice. Peter Chernin who produced Terra Nova. So, you know, maybe he learned Ooh. his lesson. I don't know. Um, and also, you know, I believe this is Travis Beecham's first TV venture it and is. it seems like he doesn't really write the kind of movies that are like the ones that we better as TV shows like he writes these like big event movies and that kind of thing that doesn't necessarily translate well to TV also a la Terra Nova um, and then just the aspect of doing an ancient Egypt show I think that's always asking for trouble like the dialogue like they never know like nobody knows how people talk in ancient Egypt <laughs> yeah. so they either go like Shakespeare or they just go modern or whatever but it's always kind of awkward with that you know that may not affect like the fun of it but um, and uh, when somebody you know, says like wicked yeah, like, <laughs> exactly don't go there man yeah <laughs> um, and, yeah you know, I'm not like, totally convinced Although I took the the pro position, I'm not so convinced that Fox is going to do well with a period drama because I don't yeah. think they ever have. Well, I mean, like I think Fox has done one good event show, which is 24, and mm. other than that, mm. it's pretty much been misfires. But yeah, but we'll see. So in my head, the math of this show, and granted, this is might maybe just you know me wishing it, but the way in my head it works is the eunuch from. Game of Thrones, <laughs> that guy yeah. in the court, right? Plus your sort of classic Dungeons and Dragons thief character class, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you add Stargate, but instead of <laughs> sci-fi science-y stuff, it's magic, which they alluded to in the article. Right. 
And uh. then probably going to add some kind of PG-13 sexiness to it, right? That seems like what the show's base math is. So that's not too bad. <laughs> but really? Travis, but... but let's look at Travis, <laughs> Travis Beachman's The Beach credits, okay? They're very slim. His movies are Clash of the Titans remake, which was terrible. Oh. And Pacific Rim, which story, question mark? I don't remember it. It was not, you know, that was... Um, it was just robots a, versus lizards. Exactly. What, so, what story do you need? <laughs> well, I'm going to say, if I'm in a generous mood, maybe I'd say he knows when to get out of a way of a robot lizard fight with, you know, and, and, and underwrite. Right. Yes. Right? right? That's if I'm generous. Um, <laughs> Ancient Egypt is my favorite non-alien nerd show subject. So I'm on board for that part. I love me some ancient Egypt. Uh, those guys are always scheming. The royal court is huge. You got uh, pharaohs and princes and you have harems and you have um, priest class and scribes and you have this whole obsession with, you know, living forever and and mummies and mummies. I was just going to say and, and all they that mummified stuff. their pets. Yeah. It's oh, intense. Yeah. So and don't forget hieroglyphics, i.e., like, <laughs> as in the title, and some national treasure type puzzle to solve. <laughs> they should really have named the main character Cliff. And it could be Hiro Cliff. And then I would watch it, especially if it starred Cliff Clavin. So anyway, continue, Dave. All I'm saying is there's plenty of room for lots of interesting characters giving the makeup of an Egyptian court. That's all. Um, and they're going to add magic. So, you know, that could like save them some you know, boring episodes and move the plot along, I'm guessing. But the real question is, what's the tone going to be? This is going to make or break this. Are we getting the royal court politics part of Game of Thrones? Or are we getting like, as I'm calling it, Egyptian collar, uh, cotton white collar? Yeah. Right? I mean, what what are we going to get? I we see gonna, what you did there. Yeah. Uh, is it just going to be, you know, the petty criminal, you know, working his way through? Are we going to get a mix of the two? It's on Fox, so With chances are... With an enchanted are, anklet. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, I, I would bet that there was a meeting that took place where they were like, make it just like Game of Thrones, except... And then there's a list of like nine <laughs> things that they could not yeah. ever do. That's my fear. <laughs> because personally, I really would love this to be the Egyptian version of Rome. On HBO, right. which was great. I mean, it that that is sort of a lot of pieces of this puzzle done right. Mm-hmm. You but know, done pol- expensively d- with and boobs. with a lot of good actors, and esoterically. Yes, all that stuff. Oh, actually, I don't think it was that. I mean, it was expensive because they built all those sets, but they actually didn't show a lot. It wasn't very showy on screen. Like they actually didn't have a proper battle scene until way into the second season, and even that was sort of. So it wasn't uh, Boardwalk Roman Empire, is what you're saying. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. okay. um, so I don't think I'm going to love this because I, I don't have faith in Fox to really deliver that kind of show. But this segment is not called, is Dave going to love this? It's called, <laughs> is, will Dave hate this? And judging by all this, I don't think I'm going to hate it. Finally. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with uh, Tara on this one. Yay. All right, it's time for the canon and making everybody else look bad for the second week in a row with our guests. They're coming to us with a fully formed, pre-produced pitch Whoa. for their canon pick. So Made uh, with Final Cut Super oh yeah, Pro, Final Cut Pro X, X yeah. Pro. Uh, audio only mode of Final Cut Pro. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Do we have any introduction, Nick, or are we just... Um, I, you know, I think we can just go right into it. Here you go, folks. Hey, Willow. Did you remember to take biography last Friday? Uh-huh. 
See, I told you. Old Reliable. Oh, thanks. What? Old Reliable? Yeah, great. There's a sexy nickname. Well, I, I didn't mean it as... No, it's fine. I'm Old Reliable. She just means, you know, the geyser. You're like a geyser of fun that goes off at regular intervals. That's Old Faithful. Isn't that the dog that the guy had to shoot? That's Old Yeller. Xander, I beg you not to help me. Well, I, I didn't mean it as a bad thing. I think it's good to be reliable. Well, maybe I don't want to be reliable all the time. Maybe I'm not just some doormat person, homework gal. I'm thinking nerve strike. <sighs> maybe I'll change my look or cut class. You don't know. And I'm eating this banana. Lunchtime be damned. Doppelgangland, the 16th episode of season 3 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is essentially a sequel to The Wish, the one where Cordelia unwittingly reboots Sunnydale's recent history by telling Anya that she wishes Buffy had never shown up in town. In that outing, we met the alternate universe versions of Willow and Xander, both of whom were not only vampires, but especially kinky and sadistic ones to boot. Giles, who has become a sort of stand-in slayer in Buffy's absence, ends up saving the day by destroying Anya's demon-powered amulet that was responsible for resetting the timeline in the first place. Now, several episodes later, Anya desperately wants to get that amulet back so she can resume her immortal wish-granting identity. She pleads her case to her, I guess, demon supervisor, <laughs> de Hoffren, but he's having none of it. She'll need to find someone else to help her. Meanwhile, we find Willow experiencing an identity crisis of her own. She wants to be thought of as cool and with it, but everyone around her still sees her as the same mousy, overalls-wearing junior librarian she was back in the first season. So when Anya approaches her with a request to do a spell for her, Willow is more than game. A spell? Oh, I like the black arts. I just need a secondary to create a temporal fold. I heard you were pretty powerful Wicca, so... You heard right, mister. I I'm always ready to work some dark mojo. So, tell me, is it dangerous? Oh, no. Well, can we pretend it is? <laughs> of course, the ritual goes awry, and instead of summoning Anya's amulet back from the parallel world, they summon Willow's vampire counterpart. Instantly, this mishap leads us into some very funny stuff. First, Buffy and Xander assume that Vampire Willow is just regular Willow, but that she actually followed through on the threat she made earlier in the episode to change her look. Then, having seen that she's an actual vampire, they shelter themselves in the library with Giles, mourning the loss of the friend, whom they now believe to be dead. And then the real Willow shows up, completely oblivious to what's going on. Jeez, who died? Oh god, who died? <laughs> back! Get back, demon! Willow, you're alive. Aren't I usually? Oh! Uh, oh! I love you guys too. Okay, oxygen becoming an issue. Charles, what's going on with these? Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh. Sorry, um. It's really nice that you guys miss me. Say, you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? <laughs> Back at the bronze, Vampire Willow has recruited some big vampire henchmen 
to help her take control of the place, which, back in her world, was the biggest demon hangout in Sunnydale. The vampire henchmen in question were originally dispatched by Mayor Wilkins to kill regular Willow, but ran into her evil doppelganger in yet another case of dangerously mistaken identity. Vampire Willow is very disappointed that the regular Universe Bronze is a carefree fun zone full of frolicking teens. And hey, that's Kay's choice performing on stage. Remember the 90s? Fortunately, Angel escapes the Bronze in time to warn the Scooby Gang about the impending disaster, and take his own turn at being shocked to see Willow alive. Something's happened, Matt. Willow's dead. Hey, Willow. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> We're right there with you, buddy. The group heads out to stop the massacre, but Willow hangs back because she forgot something. And, yep, there's her vampire self lying in wait for her. As Tobias Funke would say, now that's an act break. <laughs> the final part of the episode ramps up the action on multiple fronts, but not before the Willow versus Willow confrontation plays out in all its awkward, tense, sexually charged glory. Well, look at me. I'm all fuzzy. What do I want with you? Your little school friend Anya said that you're the one that brought me here. She said that you could get me back to my world. Oh. Oh. Oops. But I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the two of us. Could be quite a team. If he came around to my way of thinking, would that mean we have to snuggle? What do you say? Wanna be bad? This just can't get more disturbing. No more! You're really starting to freak me out. Willow prevails knocking out her counterpart with the tranquilizer gun, and then comes up with a dangerous, albeit highly entertaining plan, to disguise herself as her evil counterpart and call off the attack at the bronze. That gambit almost works. Willow is just hilariously bad at pretending to be evil. But Buffy, Angel, and the rest of the crew burst in to save the day, killing the vampire henchman and sending vampire Willow back to the alternate universe whence she came. Doppelgangland contains so much of what made Buffy such a great show. First of all, there's the deft balance between real scares and real laughs, exemplified by Vampire Willow herself. She's funny, but she's also seriously menacing, especially when she drains the blood of a helpless girl at the bronze. If you were going to use a painfully obvious metaphor, and I will, you could even say that the humor and the tension feed off each other. There's also the endlessly quotable dialogue, and believe me, it was agonizing having to choose the clips for this episode because pretty much every scene is filled with great lines. Even throwaway bits, like the moment when Willow comes out wearing her vampire costume, and registers surprise at her newly enhanced cleavage. Gosh, look at those. (laughs) (laughs) From beginning to end, Joss Whedon wrings every conceivable drop of comedy out of this premise, and he clearly had a great time doing so. But if there's one person who probably had even more fun making this episode than Whedon did, it's Alison Hannigan, and deservedly so. Because not only does Hannigan portray both Willow and Vampire Willow, She also plays Willow pretending to be Vampire Willow and Vampire Willow pretending to be Willow. It's an orphan black level acting challenge, and Hannigan meets it with aplomb. Doppelgangland isn't particularly essential to the series' continuity, and unlike most of the Buffy episodes that have attained classic status, it's not operatic or heartbreaking. 
but it's a beautiful example of a series creator playing around in his fictional universe while still holding fast to his own rules, and it's probably the episode that I've revisited more than any other. It's clever, it's fun, and I think it deserves a spot in the canon. Um, excellent nomination. Thank you for bringing this to us. Uh, I don't think I'd watch this in a few years. Uh, and my crush on Seth Green died a normal <laughs> death, as it should have, several years ago. But that look that he's giving Willow when she's pretending to be Vamp Willow in the bronze and she gives him that little wave... And he's he just loves her and is so is admiring what she's doing and also yeah. thinks she looks great in her leathers and I mean I like a teeny redhead ask anyone but that look was just like that was he he just coasted with me for years based on that look which should have <laughs> she should have burst into flame like he really was into it um, generally speaking though the episode was really a pleasure to to review I do think there's that sort of heartbreaking moment at the end where she reconstitutes in her world and then immediately is slammed into that sticky outy piece of wood yeah. by yep. Larry. Is that who kills her? I don't remember who actually, um, um it might've been Larry. Yeah. He was one of the, you yeah, found that heartbreaking. Had the, not heartbreaking, but it's such a, it's that callback to the wish, which that whole sequence in the wish is in slow-mo and, uh, Alterna Buffy also winds up getting killed. Oh, I see. Okay. In that version. It. And there's yeah. that, that she's like, oh, I'm back. And then, poof. Yeah. I mean, oh. heartbreaking is a little strong, but <clears throat> there's that little twinge. Um, and you don't mention Wesley in your Yeah, um, I didn't get to brief. that. But yeah, there's the, <laughs> pretty much everyone Wesley. gets great comedy in this episode. But, oh my God, the shriek. Uh, it's yeah. just like vintage <laughs> Wesley. Like if you had to be like, what's that character's deal? There's that scene. Yeah. Uh, I always loved Wesley and how unafraid Alexis Denisov was to just be an ass, <laughs> be yeah, kind definitely. of a, yeah. be kind of pants. Um, and then there's also that whole subplot where Vamp Willow, I forget the character's name who she's tutoring, but oh, uh, Vamp Percy. Willow is so yeah, and so nasty to him that at the end he's like, "Well, I did a couple different outlines, and you just let me know which one <laughs> yeah. you like." And there's this beat, and she sort of is about to look at Buffy, and then he quickly like drops the apple in her lap. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, so see you later. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is quintessential Buffy from the third season, which in my opinion is the best one and the most uh, consistently brilliant and had the best blend of serious and funny and the tensions of the two of them feeding off one another, as yeah, you said. Agree. Love it. Tara, what'd you think? Yeah, I loved it too. And I, 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 like you, had not watched it since I watched it the first time. And like you, I also think the third season is the best. And I also, I appreciate that the show um, took advantage of the fact that it was the kind of show where there can be alternate timelines and revisited that really interesting episode to take, to kind of do a different take on it because... Yeah, you know it's fan service, but it's also just interesting on its face. Like, what would happen if there were two willows in the same world? And um, God, I agree with you about Allison Hannigan in this episode. Willow was never my fave, but this is like Willow at her very best. Yeah, when she's, they just gave her stuff to do. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and most of all, when the two willows are pretending to be each other, yeah. like Willow's like, I haven't heard anything in a while. Why don't you go check on him? Like she's so <laughs> cute in the bronze, and the other one being like. Yeah, I'm so helpless, you know, <laughs> yeah. when she's in the cage. It's great. 
And um, and the fact that it was an episode that sidelined Buffy a little bit is it's always interesting to me when the other members of the Scooby gang get to step up and really show off what yeah, they totally. can do. Um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Also, that it was Xander Light. So, um, yeah, a, a plus a plus pick, Dave. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> much like everybody else on the panel, I also hadn't watched this in a while <laughs> and uh, really enjoyed it. I thought it took a little bit to get its motor going but when it did um you know when the portal was opened and we have two willows it really kicked into high gear and uh, i don't really have a lot to add except that yeah i mean it really is a treat to see willow versus willow and each one play the other and the i thought the portal payoff at the very end of the show was great i, I mean i oh, laughed i mean it's, it's it's really good i didn't actually make the connection with the other ones i haven't watched rewatched the series in ages so as a um, isolated view um it was fantastic and super whedon-esque and um okay um and I still don't like Xander. I think he's probably the character you can lift from this show and not really affect it too much. He doesn't really have a lot to do in this episode. Much he doesn't really have a lot to do in this series except lose an eye at the end of it. Um, so well, until Dawn I'm, came along, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy that he's his screen time is 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 short in this one. I just want to one thing, and this is not about this episode in particular, but I want to kind of tip the hat to the decent still kind of holds up vampire transition effects. Yeah. They cheated it in a really good way. There's lots of head turns and quick kind of like blurs. And you watch it and you realize that, you know, they had a limited CG capacity back then and they had to sort of, you know, do this to sort of make it work and not be sort of like, oh, the Wolfman is changing and it's, you know, it's right. three different photos, uh, you know, superimposed on top of each other. <laughs> um, and it and it still kind of works. Like, it, it holds up better than um, most other effects from, from the 90s that they were trying yeah, on sure. TV. So, you know, good work, effects team. One other thing. Well, three other things. One uh, on the uh, still holds up tip. Mm-hmm. The opening credits are so good. Yeah. You never see opening credits like that anymore. And the song is so great. And like the quick cuts of scenes from past episodes, it really gets you excited to watch yeah. an episode of totally. Buffy. Like it was long enough to not fast forward, but it was still fun to watch. The other things that I would say is Anya was also not my favorite, but this is maybe my favorite Anya episode. And when mm-hmm. she the moment where she figures out the Willow's not Willow is mm-hmm. great. She tries to order a beer. Tries to order oh, yeah, a beer. I like that. I had that just... on my notes. ID. <laughs> she's so ID. over it. The, uh, the density of the Whedon-esque dialogue in this episode and sort of the, uh, you know, the, the WPM, the, the Whedon's per minute, is so good. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. they hit so often. There's not really a dud in this episode. In contrast to watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where... You, you mean Masters of Shield? Masters, yeah, Agents of Sex <laughs> Agents slash of sex, Masters yeah. of Shield, where it seems like, and I'm sure it is, you know, people trying to emulate that. You know, we're running right. the Whedon emulator, and the show is running a little slow as a result. You know, yeah. Um, and watching this episode of Buffy really throws that in stark contrast. I found, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what I sort of like can't really get behind on Agents of Shield. Like it just seems like somebody's trying to be what this really was yeah well which is what kind of made a lot of the poor episodes of buffy bad is that there were like other writers really trying to do mm-hmm. the joss whedon stuff and just not quite hitting it yeah yeah i can really knocks on Izer is not quite the same by which i mean <laughs> and, it sucks. and i i appreciate that this episode isn't sort of the 
sticks out as a, you know, the very special episode type of thing right. that is easy to nominate for the canon, but rather this is indicative of the strengths of the writing of the series and is a showcase for one of the secondary characters. It's not like all about Buffy. In fact, Buffy is really sort of sidelined. She's pretty incidental to it until like the fight at the end. Yeah, until she comes in as as the Calvary. Uh, Calvary? <laughs> Calgary. <laughs> until she runs in as the big oil boom city in Alberta. Um, so yeah, so um, I also enjoyed this episode. One last thing from Charlie. One last thing is, and, I, and the reason I think the third season was the best is that um, at, once they got out of high school, the show stopped being able to do the thing that it did so well at first, which right. is taking teen tropes of like of teen shows and and casting them through the lens of you know living on a hellmouth. And this was a great example of that. Like it's very common for teenagers of either sex to think, "I want to reinvent myself. I don't want to yeah. be what people are like." Oh my god, I went too far. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and really a cautionary tale of you know. That that goth look doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, let's put this to the vote, Sarah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Tara. Tara. Yes. And me too. <laughs> All right, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Doppelgangland season three episode sixteen. You are hereby inducted into the extra hot gray cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. And may we please have our winner. Sure. Uh, the winner uh, sort of remains to be seen. I'm kind of rooting for it. Uh, Sean Combs, a.k.a. Diddy, Puffy, that guy I'm making the band 15, whatever, is launching an MTV-esque music video channel called Revolt. Um, I have kind of a branding crush on... Diddy, I love how even when he's doing something ridiculous and outright bad, never seems to stick to him. And I'm still one of those people who's like, MTV used to show videos, remember that? Like, I'd kind of like to see what it's going to be like. They seem pretty ambitious about it. They're going to be playing a bunch of different styles of music all day, and they want to kind of do this retro return to VJ star culture. It's probably going to bomb. I'm not sure how they got the funding for it, but I'm interested <laughs> to see. It's like nobody kind of tried to do anything like that. It was just like, well, if you care about videos, watch VH1 Classic. Like, it's kind of cool that Sean Combs was like, well, let's just start something else and do the same thing and try to. I'm sure they can't get lightning to hit twice, but it's cool that they put a rod up and tried it. Dara, <laughs> do you have our loser this week? I do, but I first I have a sub winner. Brooklyn Nine Nine got picked up for a full season. Yay! Yay. Um, <clears throat> loser of the week is Keenan Thompson, who in an interview said that the reason that there are no black women on SNL is because there aren't any black female comedians who Oof. are ready. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's not true, and I'm not going to fall into the token trap of you know being all well. Here are seven f- great female comedians that are whatever because that's just as bad, but. I will say I watch Key and Peele and they certainly don't seem to have a hard time finding black women who are hilarious. So I think Keenan Thompson is not correct. But I also kind of feel bad for him because that's a terrible position to be in. It's not like he's in charge of casting. So really the loser of the week is SNL for all the usual reasons. Lack of diversity this week being primary among them. Guys. Yeah. Yes. I have a question for you. Please. Do you know what time it is? Game time? Game time? Game time. 
Correct. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, before we start this game time, I have a programming note. Our landlord wants to clean the air conditioning ducts. <laughs> And there might be a guy just outside the door where we're recording doing stuff. So you may hear people and noises and bonks and bings. And um, I'm trying oh, to get the motorcycle land- guy is a West Coast rival. I yeah, see. basically. Um, he's been ringing the doorbell for a little bit. And I've asked the landlord to let him in. So we'll see if that happens. Well, we may hear doorbells for the next 10 minutes. I don't know. So apologies ahead of time if there's some no, uh, environmental noise during game time. <laughs> Anyway, so this is the ninth game time of the season. Last week was non-regulation because Joe is away. And this week we will do the same. We will be playing for um, extra clues um, when we return to regulation game times. Uh, The winner of today's game time will get two extra clues um, to use uh, whenever the hell they want. And uh, that could be a big advantage as the season draws to a close. And by the way, I've made a game time decision. Um, before we used to do seasons were basically uh, a quarter. We would go for three months and then whoever was up, um, that would be the winner. Um, while we're still in the first season of this new reboot, um, what I'm going to do is the season now ends when somebody hits five wins. Oh, okay. So to remind you, Joe has four, Tara has three, Sarah's <laughs> still with the uh, goose egg. Um, I'm glad but, it's not when Sarah hits five wins. <laughs> It'll be hundreds uh, of episodes long, 214. So that means Joe is one win away, and these um, clues could become extremely important to um, evening, even, even, oh, fuck me, to, uh, to <laughs> helping um, later, helping at the end, the thing with the stuff. <laughs> Um, So that's what we're playing for today. (laughs) This week, we are playing Know Your TV Themes, coming from yours truly. There's the doorbell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's going to be fun. I am going to play you a short clip from a TV show theme. If you can get it from the short clip, you'll net yourself two points. If you can't figure it out, I'll play you a longer clip, after which the correct answer is worth one point. If the name of the show is sung during the longer clip, before you answer, that's it. You're out of that uh, that question. Zero points. Oh, okay. We are not Fair shouting enough. out answers like we did um, a long time ago. We're going to play in turn. You can ask for the clip to be replayed. That's not a problem. Take your time with it. You know, be confident when you answer. Ask for the clip again. I don't mind. We will now engage our person in control choosing computer initiative system picky 3000 and uh let's see who's gonna start and we're starting with sarah and then we're gonna move on to nick and then to tara so are we ready to play know your tv themes yes yes i have a, i have a question all right do these themes all begin with the same letter as good we've question done in the past? Is there a theme These to sort the of themes? Um, I never really let people know about that ahead of time. It was theirs to figure out, and I think that tradition will continue. I'm not saying if there is or there isn't. So there is, but you're not telling us. Great, I'm let's not do saying, it. I, I, may, I may have forgotten that I used to do that. I don't, I'm not saying for sure. <laughs> a non-denial denial. <laughs> here you go, Sarah. Here is the first theme for you. Okay.
Now, again, if you answer before I play the long theme, it's worth two points. You can ask for that to be replayed. That's not a problem. Uh, I believe that's the A-team. Two points. The A-team. They are great. (laughs) Doing the plan. Figuring their shit out. (laughs) Pitying fools. And then there's a there's a French version too, which actually has lyrics. It's weird. Is that true? Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'll track friends. it down. Maybe uh, play it later. <laughs> okay. So now we're on to Nick. Okay. You oh, want to hear? You want to uh, hear that again? Yeah. Uh, would that be <laughs> Batman? Wow. Campy, 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 campy. Vince, you know why don't you, Batman? And for Tara. <laughs> yeah. Long clip, please. Uh. Do you know it? Yes. Ah, is it hard to heart? Fuck. I know, I know it too. Anybody else know it? No. Dynasty. Is it not landing? You're in the right time period, sort of. What did Sarah say? Dynasty. Sarah? Nope. It's not Dallas. That, in fact, was Charlie's Angel. Oh, oh like of course it was. Yeah. I'm All fired. Right. Back to <laughs> <laughs> back to Sarah. Here you go. That's Dallas. Yeah, it is. Correct. Barbecue and oil (laughs) and big Texas hats. (laughs) All right. Ready, Nick? Yes. Oh. um, Let me get that one more time. I need the long long clip? Yeah. Soothing brushes. <laughs> oh. Do you know what it is? I know it, but I don't know it. Anybody else know what that is? Everybody loves Raymond. Oh. Everybody loves oh. Raymond. Alright. Think I figured out the pattern, guys. Tara? Yeah. Fraser. Two points. All right. Back to Sarah. Okay. Uh, Gary Shandling's show. It's Two. Gary Shandling's show. Nice. Yeah. Two points. Oh. Nick. And. <laughs> Sarah knows this one. Uh, I need the lines. Mm-hmm. 
I got nothing. Sarah, you want to tell us what it is? Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. All right. So we are now on to Tara. Yep. Ironside? Oh, guesses. Is Takes the two point leap. Eh. Ah. <laughs> oh. Inspector Gadget. Oh. It's too bad. I thought, I thought Ironside too after the short one. Yeah, all right. He's kind of Inspector Gadget. <laughs> More like Score Inspector Cancelled. Yeah, Nick and I are tied with two points each. Sarah has six. Wow. Oh, man. Well done. All right, so we're it back to won't Sarah. Last. Right? Yes. Oh, Sarah, you're so self defeatist. <laughs> Never wrong. You want to hear that again? I would. Long version, please. Ring any bells? It doesn't. That was Justified. Justified. No. All right. Uh, this is for Nick, and let's hear Sarah's silent pain for <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear that again, Nick? Yeah. Oh. Nicely edited, by the um, way. That, yeah, that's long, a beautiful. I need the long version. Ah, uh, uh, Night Rider. Fight up. Fight up. Fight up. Did he say oh, well. yeah. Yes, that was Night Rider. He got one point. Tara. Yep. La, LA Law. Very nice. Correct. Oh, my God. Starring Dr. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're back to Sarah. Sarah. Oh. Can I hear the short run again, please? Any idea on that one? Um, I have an idea. I hope okay. I'm right. All right. Magnum you- P.I. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Way to know your pick clipper, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clip picker. <laughs> that sounded a little dirty. All right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, Nick, yes. here we go. Um, I'm going to take a guess. Would that be Northern Exposure? New heart. New heart. Yeah, that's right. I was like, Niddle House on the Prairie? Good <laughs> Sounds like everybody's picked up on the, uh, yeah. the scheme here. Uh, somebody want to let anybody who doesn't know what the scheme is in on the action? We're going in alpha order. Yes, we are. All right. So um, this is for Tara. The Office. Uh, which one? The British version. It's not part of it. That was just for the user's benefit. If they're like, what? Did you know The Office was based on a British show? (laughs) All right. 
So, Sarah, are you ready? And I'm glad you got this one, and I think you're going to get it, and I think you're going to be happy about it. Why do you always do this to me? Because I never get these. Oh, thanks, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Partridge family. I will come on and get happy. Thanks. Hello, world, here's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Okay, so now we are at number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. Quantum Leap. Correct, for two <laughs> points. Ooh. Luckily, there were limited choices for that one. I was like, I don't remember that being the Quincy theme. All right. Not Quigley Down Under the series? <laughs> nope, not. <laughs> Tara. Yeah. Rawhide. Can I have that again, please? Rawhide. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Though the stream is swollen, keep them doggies rolling, ride. Yeah, all right. So wow. weird. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> That's one of those songs you'd have to sing. You kind of do. All right. Okay, do. Nick has five, I have eight, Sarah has ten. All right. Um, here we go with S, but first. Okay, so this is for uh, Sarah again. Ready? Yep. (laughs) You're picking all my favorites. Sanford and Son. Woo! One of the all-time greats. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, top five for sure. Used in great effect in Scrubs and mm-hmm. Futurama. Yep. Yeah. And uh, guess what, Tara? What's going to be uh, coming out of my mouth for the next few days because of that earworm? Yeah. Yep. It's great. Okay. Making dinner. For... Singing dinner songs right now. <laughs> yeah. Etc. <laughs> Everything I do will be sung like going, this. Walking. Here you go, Nick. Going walking with the dog. <laughs> Here is yours. <laughs> Are you ready for this clip? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Um, taxi. Two points for taxi. Ooh. Probably one of the last song uh, themes to feature flute, piccolo, That's whatever the recorder. A recorder. All right. And back to Tara. Yes. Oh. Fuck. Play the whole thing, please. That was the whole theme. Got something for me? No, I'm totally blanking. I, you watched it. I know, I know it. Ugly Betty. Oh. oh. All right. That bitch. <laughs> Sarah, we're ending. We're nearing the end of our game. Here's one for Sarah. Thanks. Hmm. I heard again. Would you like more? I would. Take a guess. Okay. No. Got anything? She didn't watch it. Not really. Venture Brothers? Oh, she got it. It's on the the Venture Brothers. Uh, Yeah, all right. The only V show I could think of. I'm like, Fawcett's Creek? (laughs) 
Velocity. <laughs> okay, uh, Nick. Yes. You'd like to hear that again? Yeah, I would. It's not wonderful. Oh, I so want to keep singing that theme song too. Uh, let me get the long one. This is the we are not helping. You came to go chase us from going Because you oh. are too young. I don't know. That was the theme song. That was the theme song <laughs> for the Waltons. Do 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 do. Kill me. That's a crossover event right there. <laughs> you ready? It could be any letter now. Yes. What? Ooh. X Files. Oh my. So the bagpipes. In a time of ancient gods, warlords, and kings, a land in turmoil cried out for a hero. You don't know? <laughs> what is it? Zia. She was a mighty princess. Okay. I mean, I know what the X Files theme sounds like, but I thought maybe that was some weird beginning part of it. You big dummy! All right! (laughs) Jesus. All right, uh, here's your last, Sarah. Ready? I guess. (gasps) Wow. Again. No, I want to hear it again. Sure. Uh, need is a longer long one? Yes, there is. Young Americans. Wow. <laughs> that was Yogi Bear. He's smarter than the average bear. All right. Uh, Nick, um, here is this one. This is a two-pointer only. I'm going to play the whole theme for you. You okay. either get it or you don't. Oh, you'll never get this. There's no way you watch this show. <laughs> the only people that uh, statistically it's given, there was two people that watched this show when it was on. One of them was me, and the other one was Tara. And I'm going to give you an extra clue. Anthony Edwards didn't watch the show. <laughs> that was a show? <laughs> Zero hour. Zero hour. Zero viewers. <sighs> Correct. All right. I actually Tara, did watch show. Oh, I my God. What the hell you. is it going to be? <clears throat> what? Um, Want to hear the long one? Yes. All right, now we're a one-pointer. Oh, 30 rock. At the end of the alphabet, when we go, we have to we have to consider the numbers. I know, but I was thinking three, two, one contact. All right, so that was worth one, one point. point. All right, shits and giggles. Here's the tiebreaker. First person to shut it out um, gets uh, gets one gets one clue. Here we go. Ready?
anybody know that one? Password? Tara's out. Uh, Pyramid? Ah. Yes, correct. Any one of the 10,000 Pyramid shows. Okay, so that was the... I remember it being so stately. uh, Well, there's different versions of the song, but that was the 70s version. Clean up on that one, Sarah. Final score break, please. Nick had seven. I had nine. And Sarah finished with 13. Holy cow. Plus the bonus. Nice. Congratulations, Sarah. Thank you. Sarah. Sarah. (laughs) Sarah. Love that. Every time. (laughs) My people. (laughs) All right. That's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We discussed great women warriors of the small screen, found out that Dave will not hate the upcoming Egyptian royal court show hieroglyph, and Nick brought us Buffy, the Vampire Slayer's doppelgangland for the canon, which we voted in. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Sarah was the winner of this week's game time, netting herself uh, two clues to use in the Three. Three? Oh, yes, right. Three. Congratulations. Uh, Please stop by previously.tv to comment on this episode. You can read tons of television coverage there. So much. There is also a crap ton of extra hot great info. We got links. We even got a lexicon up there. So you know what the hell we're talking about when we say things like through methods. What's that mean? Find out there. (laughs) Go to previously.tv slash H. I mean, E-H-G info. And you'll find out everything there. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole and on behalf of Tara Ariano. Okay, I will. Sarah Bunting. <laughs> I have nothing. Continue. All right. And Nick Reinwell Jones. Oh, also nothing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Hot time fun. right here on Extra Hot Great. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all.